coming to you from Extra Crispy Studios in Abita Springs in the midst of the COVID-19 quarantine. Quarantine? I never know how to say it. Quarantine in Abita Springs. It, it, it sounds a little bit more musical that way. If I was writing a song, I would definitely use quarantine. It's the same reason why I'll just let you in on something, folks. If you visit New Orleans, you might think that it's okay to call New Orleans New Orleans. And the moment you open your mouth and you say New Orleans, folks down in New Orleans know that you ain't from around here, are you? (laughs) No, so here's the rule with, with pronunciations of New Orleans. That's the right pronunciation, New Orleans. Now you see shirts in the corridor that say Nylons. I never hear anybody say Nylons. It looks cool on a t-shirt, though. But here, here's the one time, I'm going to let y'all in on a little secret, the one time where you can get away with saying New Orleans is when you're writing a song. Because it's hard to find something that rhymes with Orleans. Orleans. But New Orleans... You know, I wrote this song. I just brought it back a few days ago. It was a joke many years ago called Funky Jambalaya. Funky Jambalaya. You can say Jambalaya when you're singing too. So, the opening words. I went on down to New Orleans to get me some funky jambalaya. You know what I mean. It's okay there. Now that I have thoroughly educated folks on the proper usage of the word New Orleans, it's a good segue into my guest today, who is hunkered down in the quarantine in New Orleans. Uh, One of my best friends, Brian Johnson, is, uh, man, we've been friends for like, I don't know, 25 years now. Brian pastors Mid-City Church, right in the heart of Mid-City. Uh, neighborhood in New Orleans and he is also a spiritual director and a school teacher so um, I thought it's a great time to get Brian on the podcast kind of check in with him and he's gonna in this conversation we talk a little bit about spiritual formation spiritual direction um, what it means to be a church going through these times so there's a lot of good stuff Uh, and look whether you are a person of faith or not, I think you can benefit from this conversation. Brian's a great guy who is really a fine example of the way one ought to carry their faith. So without further ado, let's head to this extra crispy conversation with Brian Johnson from Mid-City, New Orleans. Yeah, we're already recording. Now, this is not, I'm not going live with this. I was going to try to do the whole Facebook live thing, but, yeah. you know, it's it's a lot of work. I, don't, I haven't figured it out yet. Facebook live is a lot of work uh, if you're not doing it from your phone. It is. It really is. They got to come up with a better way to do that. Yeah, but Facebook live has been a thing for like three or four years now. How How have they not? made it so that on your computer you just click go live and it works just like your phone well i think i i go back to the days of katrina remember back when katrina happened i had the nokia phone you know the 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 that phone that everybody had you probably had one too with little antenna on the top and you, yeah it was awesome. yeah and and texting had been around for a few years but nobody i knew used texting I, the only time I used texting, I got a text one day. Well, the first time I tried using texting, I, I tried to be romantic with Dina. And I said, hey, babe, just thinking about you. And I, I actually entered the number in rather than, I don't know why, but I entered. Each button three or yeah. four times. Letter, right? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it, was a, it was a lot of work to, to get to, you know, do 144 characters or something. So I, I was just like, hey, babe, thinking about you. And then like... 
uh, later that evening, I get a phone call, and this lady was like, who this is? I was like, what? She's like, who this is? I'm like, excuse me? She goes, somebody call me from this number and stuff. And, and I'm like, and I didn't make the connection until I got done. Like, this lady thought I was just a random person telling her I was thinking about her and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I went back and looked at, at the at the uh, number, and I had missed a digit. So <laughs> I made somebody's day. But that so that was like a few months before Katrina and then Katrina happened and then all of a sudden we didn't have mobile phone networks like you couldn't make phone calls very well uh at least in the first few weeks which forced us all to start using text messaging and and I I feel like the same kind of dynamic is going on with Facebook live right now it's been this technology that is cool but for most people it seemed pretty irrelevant yeah that's and right. now and now it's like now because we're being forced to stay at home we're seeing like wow this thing actually could you you could there's a lot of possibilities but good, good stuff but even with texting you know texting got a lot better over the next couple of years they figured out how to make that more intuitive rather than uh you know I mean, we didn't even have smartphones during katrina no man i mean and and even at that time you remember you had to pay a certain amount and you'd get like 50 text messages a month you could send. <laughs> yeah. So if you had like a text happy friend who was already always sending texts, you'd have to be like, stop sending me text messages. It costs me every time I open one of those. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Or like when, when, when your data was like 250 megabytes and like, that was a big deal. And, and like you go over and you're paying like 200 bucks extra on your cell bill. Yeah, Facebook, smartphone, zoom, all that would have made Katrina a lot. A lot more bearable, but yeah, but we didn't have it, so we didn't have it. So but we did it during COVID nineteen. We did, we do, we are here. <laughs> There's the optimist, Christmas <laughs> <laughs> Schroeder. <laughs> We're in the middle of it. We did. <laughs> we did. So uh, how you holding up down in New Orleans, man? I'm I'm seeing I'm you know I mean I know I'm just across the lake from you, but I'm across the lake from like a whole bunch of rats down in the French Quarter that are used to a steady supply of beer and food scraps, and and they're hungry now, and I hear they're coming for you. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen them in Mid City yet, but uh, but my 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 street is uh, filled with cats. You got like a hundred cats on your block, man. Everywhere. So we're we're I think we're gonna be okay. If it were, if it comes down to cats versus rats, I'm I'm putting my money on the cats. Me too. I think we're gonna be all right. But yeah, no, it's uh the city's weird, man. It's it's you know it's like everywhere else I guess in the world, except that I haven't been everywhere else in the world right now because we can't leave home. But uh, it, every now and then we'll pack the kids up and we'll just drive around mid city for a minute and uh, ghost town. So strange. Wow. But. But we're hunkering down like everybody else. We got five kids that are all trying to get on devices at the exact same time and use a very slow network to do their distance learning. That's a that's an adventure. So yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but we're, it, we're I, I, I'm doing all right. It's so weird because the I mean, like we're used to this, like shutting things down for a week. I mean, if you live in this part of the country, that's going to happen usually at least once a year, maybe twice a year, or at least maybe for a day or two. But this is, this is a very surreal thing because it's like the weather is about as beautiful as it gets down here. It's like perfect weather to be outside and just hanging out, but it's like, you can't go anywhere. And there's this ominous abstract. I mean, I guess it's getting less abstract by the day, but you know, this ominous threat that's out there, but it's, it just feels so weird. Yeah, it does. And you know, with hurricanes and stuff, uh, nobody, I, I haven't met anyone in new Orleans who likes hurricanes, but at least everyone knows how to, how to navigate it. You know, I mean, we've been doing it our whole lives, right? And so we know how to navigate that type of shutdown. We know we know what we need. We know what to do. But this is a completely different and very strange kind of thing going on that uh, there's a little bit, I, I find that there's, there's a little bit more fear in the air uh, as to you know, what might happen to me. And, and then, of course, with the economy and stuff, it's, we don't deal with that when it comes to hurricanes and evacuation. Oh, man. So not at this level, so... I don't know. It's a it's a different time, 
and I, I don't know how long it'll last. You know, I, no one does. I shouldn't even pretend. So, no, we're gonna be we're gonna be perfectly fine by Easter. I, I, that's what I've heard. I'm hoping. I mean, like, look, I'm I I would love this thing to just uh, be one of those mysterious diseases that comes on the scene and then disappears, and and we just go, wow, that was crazy. Uh, I hope so. I'm going to, uh, I've, I've made a, a steady diet of listening to the doctors though. And that's kind of where I'm going to keep going with my, uh, with my decisions is <laughs> <laughs> what the scientists say. I'm not a doctor, but I play one on Facebook live. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> everybody's everybody's a doctor now everybody has this thing figured out i guess that i guess this is just part of uh human social behavior we we just we all i don't know you know i did watch i did watch this morning of a clip on facebook or uh, i don't know where i found the clip but dr phil doctor <laughs> doctor <laughs> a preacher in louisiana who won't quit holding services yeah did you see yeah interesting that that's actually i know a, it's a friend of mine's like brother-in-law who's who's doing that yeah and um he put up a post on facebook a couple of days ago he said look you know i i'm not saying i agree with what he's doing but i just you know a lot of people are saying this guy's just trying to keep his church open so he can make offerings but he's like no he he said he sincerely believes in this and 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 you know i mean i i get that I, I i don't think it's a great strategy right now but uh i don't either and i but i do want to say because i was one of those people i was like man i when 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 people do crazy stuff i'm just like man why you? but i watched the interview and it, it the guy's heart you know the, you know and dr phil was like yeah but come on <laughs> God's heart the guy's heart seemed like it was in like a really sincere and genuine place. Yeah. Uh, and it didn't, it did not seem to me about money as my, my initial kind of yeah. disillusionment with church sometimes kind of was like, eh, but, yeah. uh, but no, he, he talked about those in his community of faith and those in his larger community who actually don't have access to information. They don't actually understand the depths of what's going on. And I've actually run across this. Uh, a friend of mine went to get her tire. She had a nail in her tire the other day and she went to get her tire changed. And she asked the fella who was changing the tire. She says, you know, are, is business really slow? And, and he says, yes. He goes, people, apparently there's like some kind of virus going around and people are worried about it or something and this guy had no idea what and just, yeah and it was very it, it seemed kind of um you know and and i live in part of the city where i there there seems to be misinformation but also lack of information and access to information with you know and it's, it's, i don't know man it's which is, that's very scary um but it's also a reality i think in a lot of different pockets and so yeah i don't know man Crazy stuff, man. So you're a pastor, a spiritual director, and which is a, a very interesting occupation right now. Like I'm I'm really like And a school teacher. And a school teacher. PE teacher, right? Yes. But that's that's gone away. <laughs> that's gone away. Uh and, and and Uber driver, Lyft driver, you know, just jack of all trades, man. I, I dig it. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of like I stepped down from the whole pastor in a church thing a few months ago, as you know. Um and um I was I was complaining about losing all my, my gigs a few weeks ago and I was like, Well, I could be a pastor now too, and it would be just as bad. <laughs> how do you how do you how are you navigating this? Uh because you've you've got this church, Mid City Vineyard, you've been pastoring for three years. Um how do you navigate those changes on the pastoral side? And then maybe we can get into the, the spiritual direction stuff. Yeah. On the pastoral side, um, my, my immediate tendency is, is as soon as this happened was go into like fix it mode. Um, how do I, how do I make sure that 
all the people in our church and, and it's a it's a small it's a small community of faith but how do i make sure that everybody's okay and how do we serve 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 our community and and how do we do all the things that i think that the church should do and um I was actually on a retreat when this thing broke out and I came home and I started saying all this stuff to my wife and my wife who uh, Katrina was really hard on our marriage uh, because, you know, we lived right in the heart of, of, of Katrina at the time. And when we came back from Katrina and we were like, go, 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 go. My wife and I had a nine month old baby. My wife was six and a half months pregnant with our second child. Uh-huh. Our house had been completely destroyed. We moved in uh, at that time with my parents for an entire year. And I was working 12 to 14 hour days during mm. trying to serve the community. And uh, man, the toll it took on our marriage and stuff after the fact, because I was, I was too aloof during the time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know anything about that, right? <laughs> uh, you were right beside me. So, uh, <laughs> so when I came home from this retreat and I walked in the door and I started rattling off all these things we need to be doing. And my, my wife looked at me and she said, listen, she says, uh, I, I don't, I don't need, I don't need you to be like a hero again. Like we just, you gotta, you gotta find a way to, to do this differently. And, and so that, to me, that was immediately kind of my, something in my soul was like, you, you need to, you need to listen. And so we decided to do things differently. Um, and, and it was really hard for me because I was looking on Facebook and all, all, all kinds of churches are doing all kinds of things. And I could feel my ego and, and my, my desire to be needed and my desire to be wanted and my desire to be awesome. Like all that stuff was like, kind of started kicking my ass and I was like ah but I I just as I was thinking about it I just decided you know let's let's figure out how do we take care the best we can of of this this group of people that we have how do we try to nurture them and and love them uh without selling out our own souls to to this thing because I you know I don't know maybe COVID-19 lasts two more weeks but honestly maybe it lasts eight to 12 weeks I don't know and so I, I want to stay healthy in that process and my wife and my family and, and also the people in our church. So what we did is we just, we set up virtual rooms uh, and on Sunday mornings, we get in a virtual room with, with our whole church and it's, it's kind of, we kind of close the doors, so to speak. It's, you know, like in AA, they have open meetings and closed meetings. And, and for the purpose of this, we're, we're doing closed meetings and it's just, Hey, come on in. We're going to check in with each other. I'm not preaching. We're not, we're not singing. We're just, we're calling it a virtual coffee break. And we all get into the room together and uh, we're checking in on each other and, and we're finding where the needs are. We might have some elderly folks who could use grocery runs, or we might have someone who lost their job who could use help with a bill being paid. And so we're trying to figure out how do we do that with one another? And then beyond that, uh, we're asking people in our community of faith, like, what does it look like to to uh, be love and to be mercy and to be grace on your street. You know, do you, is there someone who that you could shop for? Is there someone who you could make a meal for? And at the same time, don't go into their house. Let's, let's practice. The best thing we could do for people is stay away from them. If they're, if they're susceptible, which everyone is at this point. So if you make, make a dinner for them, leave it on their porch, step back into the street, knock, tell them, hello, tell them you're praying for them. And, or ask them what they need, and let's go about that. So we're trying to help people think through this in their own neighborhood. Wow. And we're making phone calls. I, I call. I try to call our people um, once a week or text them and just check on them. And some people are doing great. And some people are having a really, really hard time. So I want to stay connected to those. And then the people on my street. I live on an amazing street, and we try to stay connected. So those are the things we're doing. Uh, I don't feel like it's, it's overkill. It's not crushing my soul. It's not crushing my family, um, but I do feel like we're, we're doing a good job of just trying to take care of each other. Yeah, I think that's a, I, I know I've, I've been having a number of conversations, even, I mean, with people like yourself and, and other, other friends who were um, involved with churches and it, it, you know, the, the biggest question I have right now is, what is what is it that people actually what's the prime need 
you know, Katrina, yeah, I was in the same boat as you, and my wife was saying the same things, you know, a year and a half after doing, you know, nothing, you know, just working all the time. I mean, it felt really good to have a purpose, and to, you can't get around, like, when there's a disaster, being able to be a part of the solution feels really good. Um, but it also feels really good for your ego to be kind of like the hero and show up and feed people and stuff like that. Not, not that I want to say any of that was bad, but I think our, you know, my tendency is to sometimes use those things that give me purpose and meaning as an escape from all the other stuff, you know, because it's, uh, it, it's a lot easier to go out and help people in the community. You feel good about that while just completely neglecting your own, <laughs> your own soul, your own physical health, your own marriage, your own kids. And, you know, Dina used to say, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired of getting leftover crispin. <laughs> it's not extra crispy. <laughs> and uh, uh, it, it's, uh, you know, cold pizza is okay, but hot pizza is better. So um, it, it's, uh, but but all that to say, I, I think that that's been something very different about where we're at right now because I do feel like it is, there is this, I think a lot of churches are having a little bit of a panic because like, how, how are you even the church if you can't have face to face, you know, like, like that's such a, and I know you and I, we've had these discussions for years, like the importance of human connection, of, of being together, breaking bread together, uh, helping the surrounding community out together. And I, I think it's, it really is an interesting thing seeing that as I, as I ask that question, what is it that people need most right now? Do they need, uh, just an inspirational, you know, sermon? Do they need, you know, all the bells and whistles of your, your typical mega church? Um, I don't know. I, I tend to think though, I think the thing that, that probably, well, in a, in a way, I think a lot of pastors feel a bit powerless right now because there's just not much to do on, on the end of like what they would normally do. Um, I, I think exactly what you're saying, just calling people and checking up or, or doing things using technology in a way that actually facilitates human connection. And, I, and I'm wondering, and I, I'd like to ask you this, what do you think, do you think church is going to look any different from you coming out of this if it takes another, like, like say we're on this trajectory, say we're, stay, we're in quarantine for another two months. Um, does church look different for you going forward? Or you think it's going to look different for churches in general going forward, having gone through this time of not being able to have meetings face to face or at least in person? Um, wow. I don't know. Um, I know for me, you know, like what I've noticed uh, in, in some of the circles that I run, and, and I, don't, I don't say this, how, how do I want to, I'm working through this, so I'm not, tr I'm not trying to sound judgmental in this. It's just, it's a perception and, and stuff, but I've, you got me? I got you. It's saying my internet connection is unstable. Okay, but it's it's working at the moment. So back to where you were. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, your face is frozen. You're looking rather pensive. Uh, you know, on my end, you're just like... That's a normal look. <laughs> so... Uh, where, did, where did that leave off? Um, I don't know. So maybe just rewind about two minutes. <laughs> I this I, I'm not intending this to sound judgmental. It's a it's a it's an observation, and I'm trying to work through this. But what I've noticed, especially online, is that so many churches seem to be trying to do the exact same thing in this new world that they were doing pre-COVID nineteen in the old world. So, uh, and and for me, that that's not it. It doesn't it's not working. Yeah. Um, I, I, I cannot bring myself right now to try to polish a teaching or to try to, you know, traditional, uh, 
sing songs over the computer with our people. Like I, I feel like at least the people in my community of faith, and this is my perception and my understanding, but what we need is we need check-in. We need, hey, how are you doing? Hold on one second. Yeah, we need check-in. We need, how are you doing? We need, um, we, we need to encourage one another. I, I think they like to hear from me, but they don't just need to hear from me as their pastor. They, they need to hear from me as their friend. They need to hear from one another. They need to check in with one another. And that's what we've been trying to build all along. You know, in our church, I've been trying, and I, I told our congregation this this past weekend. Are you catching that background sound? It's really not that bad. Oh, okay. But every week when we do get together and we preach, I've always been trying to move our church towards a place of what would you be able to survive if our church was not able to meet? Now, I didn't think that would ever really happen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I've always been trying to, to teach our, our, our folks and, and to teach myself, what would it look like if we were told we couldn't meet? How would we then survive? Like, do you have to, do you have to, you know, whatever. Uh, do you have to have an organized Bible study or do you have to get your worship on or can you like can you can you can you recognize the divine in all things can you learn to seek and find peace in the midst of chaos now these are the kinds of things we talk about all the time and so will it look different I think it's going to look different for for us um, I'm not sure what that'll look like yet but I'm I'm even less inclined now to to put so much emphasis on my teaching or, or, or my song singing as I am just what is God doing in your life? How can I cooperate with what God's doing in your life? How can we cooperate with one another? And there might be other avenues. I think people still, they want and desire and need to learn what does the scripture say? What does God say about these things? But I'm also becoming more convinced that the, the, the divine is speaking to people all the time uh, through various means uh, and so that like even I'm doing some other things on offering some things online where people are having an opportunity to experience hopefully the divine's voice for themselves as opposed to just me being the talking head. Does, does that make, does that answer that question? I'm not sure. I might. Yeah. No, that's really good. Well, I don't know what it's going to look like after this, but I, I do know that for us, I think, I think it will, it will look a little different. I'm just not sure what that is yet. What do you see are, as the, the main, um, I'm getting a call from Jean, Jean Lafitte, Louisiana. I don't know anybody in Jean Lafitte. I got a call from Italy this morning. So right on, right on. Um, what, what do you see as the greatest, the greatest gifts the church offers to a person you know, I mean, at least, I mean, we, we, when you boil it all down, this is probably a good time to boil it all down. What do you, what do you think the benefit is for, for you and having been a part of church and now pastoring church? Like, like, what do you, when you reflect over your own journey, what do you see like the most, I mean, I know there's, a, there's a lot of negative stuff that naturally, uh, in anything, but what do you see as the, the big positives for you and, and what motivates you even when you think through these questions, like we're talking about moving forward. I, I personally feel like the greatest gift that I have to offer people is peaceful presence. Um, and I, I would credit much of my time in church uh, because I, 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 I've, I've learned about the good and the bad. Uh, and it's taken, I mean, I don't know that I, here's the thing. I don't know that I had peaceful presence to offer for the first 18 years of my life of following Christ. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, and the reason is because I was so bound up by receiving, 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 learning more, doing more, being more active, preaching more, convincing people more. And I'm just like, I just don't see that as part of any part of 
what it means for me today to follow Christ. Like for me, following Christ is allowing the divine to, to impart peace, allowing my soul to find rest. Now my soul, I believe finds rest in God, but even for someone who is not a, a, a God person, even for atheists and agnostics, I believe that, I believe that we can find, we can, we can find peace. Uh, it, how how would I want to say that? I might come back to that. But for me, bringing peace where I go. So when I'm in a conversation with someone, if I can be a bearer of peace, meaning that my presence brings a comfort to the situation, uh, I believe that comes from Christ in all of my all of my dealings and all of my learnings and learning to sit and to meditate and learning to rest and to be still and to care for my own soul. Because when I'm, when I'm bringing peace, it also comes with it love and mercy and grace and eyes to see beauty all around. I mean, these are, I think these are incredible gifts that the church has to offer when the church begins to really tap into to, to that part of what it is to, to follow Christ. I think that's the thing about Jesus that I, I love so much is that if you, if you look at Jesus, Jesus was always going places and people wanted to be around him. And I think that people wanted to be around him, not because he was doing cool tricks um, or even because he was an amazing teacher. I think people enjoyed how they felt yeah. when they were around Jesus. I, I think that they enjoyed how they felt because I think Jesus made people feel comfortable. I think he made them feel loved. I think he made them or he helped them to experience mercy but more than anything i think that there was a peace about his presence that people were just like wow i i wasn't anxious the whole time yeah i was just i was just there it was i see that a lot in the in the in the traditional scriptures and so that's that's what i think the church can i, I that's what i would love for the church to bring yeah in a situation like this because there's not peace it's 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 crazy it's chaotic. It's unnerving. It's uncertain. So. Well, and, and, and it's, it is, a. it's an interesting thing you're saying there about peace because peace is not denying the harsh realities, you know, like, like that's the, like, like I love that, that one scripture and uh, I think it's Philippians where the apostle Paul writes, you know, uh, whenever you're worried, you know, submit your prayers and your quest unto God and the peace that's bigger than your understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And then, and then he moves on into this little, you know, so, so think about things that are true and noble and pure and all this stuff. I always think it's interesting when I think about that is that Paul was writing this in a prison cell, you know, on death row. Like it wasn't, he wasn't on staff at a mega church. He wasn't a professor at a seminary. He wasn't like living some amazing life. Like any day he could be hauled out of there and, and executed in a brutal way. And yet he tapped into something. I mean, he even says in that same spot, he's like, you know, I've, I've learned the secret of happiness, <laughs> you know, like, and, and, and I think that that's such a, and, and that secret being I can do, all things, I can go through anything through Christ who gives me strength. And I, I think that that's, uh, that's an interesting thing. When I look at, at a lot of my experience in modern church, I, I know my first decade of being in the church, as in these very charismatic, uh, like even word of faith kind of um, aspects that's just like name it, claim it, you know, just very, you know, just say what you want, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. And, and there was almost this sense of you couldn't ever admit to, to admit to anything wrong in your life was to empower it to, you know, like, I'm not really sick. You know, <laughs> it's like that, uh, Monty Python, I'm not dead yet. Uh, you know, it's like, dude, you, you got your arms hacked off. <laughs> um, but, but the, so I've seen, you know, kind of one side of things where it's like, you know, where there's this complete denial of harsh realities, whether they're sickness or emotional things. Um, I mean, people who, who won't even ever take medicine for emotional mental problems because, 
you know, they're like, you know, God's, I'm just going to keep confessing things and it's going to heal me. And I'm, and look, I, I, I certainly believe there is something to positive confession and stuff like that. But then, then on the whole other side, it's like, there's, there's another version of Christianity that is so, um, detached in a way, you know, where God's just out there and, and everything, you know, like, you know, almost like a Gnosticism, you know, where the, you know, it's really not very connected in reality. And, but I, I think like you, I, th- I think my encouragement in the scriptures and, and in the church uh, and during the best times has been that you can find authentic community where you can truly be honest about, you know, my, my finances are shit right now. I don't know if I'm going to have work in, in three weeks. Uh, my friends got COVID. Um, and, but at the same time about being honest about those things, you can really enter into peace and care with one another. And man, that's a, that's a beautiful thing when it happens. I think it's a rare thing in this world. Um, but yeah, I, I like that peaceful presence, man. That's, that's great. I think that's one of the things that I, I tell my church often. I say, you know, people love the promises in the, in the scriptures and, and that's wonderful. But the promise that I seem to hold on to more than any other is there's this one passage in John where Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And I'm like, you know, nobody ever puts that one on their refrigerator. But if there's one promise <laughs> in the scriptures that I have found to be true, like that one, it's true. (laughs) In this world, you will have trouble. But the thing is, Jesus then says, but I have overcome the world. And then he goes on to say, and I will always be with you. And so to me, it's kind of like, okay, I, and this probably in many ways, I think this makes me one of the worst pastors ever because I I do, I'm kind of like, Hey, look, things are going to really suck at times. You know, it's, it's uh this is not a steady trail up a, up a mountaintop experience it's it's just I'm, life is life and life is yeah. hard but jesus seemed to be okay with that he was like yeah. look it, it's you're gonna have trouble but here's what i want you to know in the midst of the trouble i'm i'm gonna i'm walking through it with you like i'm going through the trouble with you i'm, I'm present with you and, and that's to me coming back to the church how how is God with people? Well, sometimes God is with people through other people. Mm. And so if, if you have lost your job or if you have contracted a, a, a virus or if you are having financial trouble, one of the ways that God might go through it with you is, you know, maybe through, maybe with me sitting with you or with you sitting with them or, or, the church, you know, and that's, that's part of it. Does it fix the problem? And no, I, I have, I have no job to offer anybody, yeah. you know, but it, maybe it's a way that, that, that God goes through things with people and through that peaceful presence, I, I'm hopeful that that is something that, that is, is contagious and inexperienced in moments. Well, so one of the things that you are doing, you know, to kind of help people enter into this peaceful presence uh, aspect. You, you are a spiritual director. Um, you and I both went through a couple of years of spiritual direct director training school, I, which I, I benefited great, greatly from it. I've never, I've not, uh, really practiced so much as a spiritual director, um, in an, in, in an official capacity. But, uh, a few months ago you launched something called seeds and soul where you do, spiritual formation, spiritual direction. Uh, for those who are unfamiliar with spiritual directing, um, cause it is, I remember when I came across the word the first time, I'm like, I don't know what this is. Once I experienced it, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Um, but what, what is, what is spiritual direction? And then why don't you tell us a little bit about the whole seeds and soul thing that you're doing? Seeds and souls. <laughs> you might catch some of my environment here soon there's a that house that's being built there's a concrete truck now laying concrete uh or cement or whatever so if they start making noise i'll I'll, i'm I'm gonna just back off for a minute um yeah spiritual direction so what i what i've i've termed my practice uh soul care caring caring for our souls but the ancient tradition is spiritual direction and ultimately uh spiritual direction I'm sorry, I got distracted. 
You're going to have to edit that out of the actual. <laughs> uh, spiritual direction is ultimately an opportunity for a person to sit down with a director, a soul care director or a spiritual director, and to sojourn or journey with another person as they're trying to do some of the, the, the inner work. Tell that crow to shut up, man. <laughs> I don't see. Oh, he's leaving. <laughs> I, I couldn't hear much on the construction site, but that crow, man, he's coming through. I'm right. sorry. <laughs> Continue. Uh, <laughs> um, spiritual direction. So for, for a person to actually sit with a director who will journey with them as they are processing just some of the, the work that's taking place on the inside as they're looking to reflect back on where they're experiencing love, where they're experiencing mercy, where they're experiencing challenge or encouragement, where they're experiencing uh, transformation in their own lives, how they're being formed and shaped by the circumstances around them, uh, whether it's, you know, whether it's isolation during COVID-19 or, or if it's uh, how they're being shaped by uh, the loss of a loved one or, or even a book that they're reading. You know, but it, it's so many times we just live life so just boom, 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 boom. And we don't take a lot of time. A lot of people don't take much time to actually notice the work that's taking place on the inside. Yeah. How they're, how they're being challenged, how they're being shaped, how they're being formed. Uh, for, for a person who is religious, this, this could come in the form of recognizing or learning to recognize how is a, a higher power uh, forming me and how am I being inter, uh, uh, changed and formed through the process with a higher power. But even for those who aren't religious, we're all being changed. We're all being formed yeah. along the way. And there's internal work for all of us to be doing. But if we're living life at the speed of light and we're just going from one thing to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing, a lot of times that's, I think that's what happened. My own personal experience in Katrina, three years of boom, 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 boom. At the end of three years, it's looking back going, what the hell just happened? Yeah. Why am I so sad? Why am I, why am I so annoyed? Why am I so agitated at the drop of a hat when this happens? And it was three years of, of not reflecting on stuff, not dealing with stuff. And, you know, it led, it led me in part to, to a place of, of despair. And so this is a way, you know, I've sat with my soul care director for the last six years, once a month, we sit together. And sometimes the meetings are just like, wow, everything is, everything is alive. The world is alive. Everything is amazing. Um, and sometimes it's like, like the shit has hit the fan and nothing's good and everything's bad. And, but no matter what, it's always okay. But in, in this, in this, what are you learning? What are you experiencing? What is your soul saying to you? And, and when I use the word soul, I'm not talking about, um, some piece of you that goes somewhere else when you die. I, I, I'm talking about like the very essence yeah. of, of your experience, like the very essence of your being. So like, that's, that's why I, I, I use the word soul in that sense. Like what is, what is your soul saying to you about, about life today? What is your soul saying to you about, about how it's doing? you know, which in part, that's how you're doing, you know, and, and, and really pressing into those kinds of questions. That's, that's what we do in soul care, spiritual direction. Wow. Yeah. I, I think one of the, my favorite experiences going through spiritual direction is that, cause I think when I first, when I first tried spiritual direction, I was thinking it was going to be like counseling and it really wasn't. It's the spiritual directors just really just trying to help me reflect on my life. So the, the spiritual direction is just asking questions. They're not there to solve problems or answer any of your issues. And, um, like I said, my first, my first session was with this guy, Dave Nixon, who is, I probably started out at, at the, the top of, you know, 
<laughs> how good it could be. It was so it was so impactful. I'm like, like I get 45 minutes into this thing and I'm like crying and stuff. I'm like, what just happened? You know, like like this guy, like all he did was ask me some questions and reflect back to me or our responses. And but it was so life changing. And what I found is that when you go through spiritual directions, say for a period of four or five months and you're checking in, you know, and it's because you only meet once a month. It's not even a weekly thing because you really are trying to get kind of a bird's eye view of your life. You're not, you're trying to see the big picture and which engages, I think you, even, even your reflection in a much sort of broader way, it's, you're not analyzing your life. You're just trying to see like, what are the big themes that are emerging? And you get four or five months of that together, you can start to see a trajectory. And I love what you're saying about the soul because you can begin awakening to really, as uh, Parker Palmer, we've, we've talked a lot about his writings recently, you and I and Nathan, uh, you know, Parker Palmer talks about each, each person having their own individual nature, you know, your own unique gift and calling in the world. And I think when you start getting a glimpse of that and start paying attention to that, boy, it, it starts to answer a lot of questions in your life. And, you know, you, cause I, I do think so much of the angst and the, uh, um, reacting to situations when i look back at the katrina thing it was it was reaction it wasn't pro when i look at at congress and the president right now with COVID, it all feels very reactionary it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of reflection going into this uh bill i mean i'm glad they're going to send us out some checks but it's like man it's a lot of money to just like throw something together that's like close to two thousand pages and pass it <laughs> in a week assuming they pass it i don't know what's even going on with all that but but I think when you pay attention to your soul, especially for long periods of time, you start to see this trajectory. You start to come to terms with this is the unique shape of my own life, my own calling, my gifting, what what I am on earth uh, to do and to be. And that is that is super that is super helpful um, in this world today. Uh, and it certainly has been impactful in my own life. Yeah, and one of the things you said there, because this does happen a lot, people will will call for soul care for spiritual direction, and uh, you know sometimes people do. It's it's like oh maybe this is like a counselor, uh, maybe I'll I'll get fixed about in this area. But that's that's something that I always try to lay out. It's like I I actually don't think that the soul needs fixing. I don't think that the soul is something to be fixed. Man, you might have problems in your life, and maybe they're being generated by bad habits or bad decisions and and you you can work on those kinds of things but as far as the soul goes i think there's much more that and soul care is much more about discovery you know and and really it's the digging so yes as a spiritual director if anyone ever comes to sit uh in my office with me or or I, i also do it via zoom and stuff but if you're looking to be fixed you'll be sorely disappointed because i don't see the soul as something to be fixed as it is you know layers to be peeled back, uh, new discoveries to be made, which in turn, you know, plays out however it plays out in your life. You know, I mean, yeah. the more you know about yourself, the more you're able to to live into the, the things that you want to live into um, as you're formed and shaped. But yeah, it's not about fixing. You know, it's not, it's, it's not about advising. I, I don't give advice. I, I don't, uh, I don't try to correct or try to, because I don't, I don't know what's best for you. Right. You know what's best for you. And that's part of your soul knows what's best for you. Yeah. As a soul care director, it's trying to ask good questions and, and co-discern with you. You know, what is your soul saying? Yeah. How's that, you know, so, so yeah, that's a, that's a, that's kind of part of the description I really like. And that's what I love about it. Cause I'm off the hook. Cause you know, honestly, I don't, I don't know the answers. And just because something worked for me, in my life does not mean it's going to work for you. I think right. that's a huge thing in our society. It's like, well, have you tried this? This works for me. Well, <laughs> it worked for you because that's how your soul is shaped. Yeah. But that's not how I, so. I, I read something yesterday, uh, or it was this morning, uh, John Cleary, one of my favorite New Orleans 
piano players and singers, uh, even though I guess he's originally from the UK. But, I mean, this guy spends the bulk of the year just traveling around. And now, like everybody else, he's just kind of home in New Orleans and trying to figure out uh, streaming and stuff. And he's put up a couple of videos. And he said, you know, a lot of people have been um, asking him to kind of go into how he plays the piano. Because, I mean, he's he's a badass, man. I mean, he's one of my favorite people to just listen to playing and singing. Man. I mean, like, I, I actually enjoy him a lot of times more just by himself with a piano singing uh, than I do even with a band because he's just, he's just got the goods, man. But I, I loved his response. He said, you know, he's like, I've been getting all these musicians asking me how to play certain things and stuff. He says, honestly, um, I, I know that musicians are interested in the technique and stuff, but he's like, I don't want to burden people with that because once you start learning the techniques of all this stuff, then that's what you become fixated on. He's like, I'd rather let the music itself just impact people without, you know, which, which, which is a really weird thing because I, I know there is that sense when I start getting into music theory too much, it's like, it's cool to find out the, the, how all this stuff works, but there's nothing like the, just the wonder of, of, of hearing a song and it's washing over you and you're not, you're not focused on what chord is this, what melody. It's just the whole thing is washing over at you at once and it's magical. And, and sometimes, I mean, it's, I guess it's kind of like explaining a magic trick. You know, once you explain the magic, it's like, well, it's cool to find out how you did that, but now it's not as magical. <laughs> and, and, and I think, I think, I think that's kind of the difference between say, therapy and spiritual direction you know therapy is is good and it's needed and actually i think the the combination of seeing a therapist and a spiritual direction they're, they're two different things that that can help you in very different sort of ways but that i think that's the thing that i like about spiritual direction is because you're not you're not trying to fix a person you're trying to let a person see their life in a way where it washes over them they see the big picture and uh yeah so uh a bunch of years ago, I went through major, major, major depression. Yeah. And at that time, I was seeing a therapist and I was seeing a spiritual director. And the therapist helped me dig into, you know, what might be causing this, uh, how might uh, things change that you could not experience this to this depth, this level. Uh, the therapist put me on medication. So now I have therapist, medication, and a spiritual director. The spiritual director is the one who asked the question, how might this depression in your life shape the way you interact with and treat people for the rest of your life who might be dealing with something similar? Wow. And that, that I, I know that question might seem so simple. That radically transformed how I even viewed the depression. I mean, it, like, I can't even explain to you. Wow. And it, the therapist would have never asked me that question because the therapist, in lots of ways, was trying to, trying to fix me, which I appreciated. I needed the therapist. Like, I really, and the therapist was hugely helpful. Can you hear that? I can hear that, but. Yeah. The therapist was hugely helpful. The spiritual director helped me understand how I was, like, like how this was forming my life. Um, moving forward and that that was invaluable as it's the single most pointed question and formative question that I think I've ever been asked wow so it was just, and I, I'm interested how how have you found yourself not that you're you're answering that question in any way that is is uh, uh, final uh, I'm, I'm, I'm I think with any good questions the, the best questions are questions you can return to over and over and you you never fully answer them when you think about going through that very dark time, how, how has it shaped you and how does it continue to shape your, your, your life and your connections with others? I am a, I am a, I'm a soft, I'm a softer person. Um, That's why we call you Mr. Softy. That's right. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I've been watching too much Curb Your Enthusiasm. All right, sorry. You're a softer person. I've never called me that before. Um, <laughs> uh, 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm softer. I, I believe that I believe that I'm more gentle. I'm more gentle with people. Um, I am more uh, I, these days. I am much more able to stand in solidarity with people. Um, I gen I genuinely feel like I I care at a much deeper level for people today than I did five, six, seven years ago. Yeah. Uh, just it's just really and I do I do return to that question often just as you said I don't think there's one answer to that I, I return often um, to that day where I was sitting when that question was asked and just really trying to recognize uh, it's given me a much more my, my own bout with depression has given me much more of an appreciation for humanity in general um, and I don't feel like I don't feel like we need to be rock stars. I don't feel like people need to. Like I, I'm not impressed when people put on a uh, a hero face. And I think that's been part of it too. Even in this, in the midst of this COVID nineteen, like if 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 you don't feel like a hero, then you don't have to put on a hero face. Don't do it. Just uh, yeah, be where you're at. Um, so that's it's it's still shaping. That's really good. Absolutely. So you're, you're what you, you call this little thing you do seeds and souls. What's the, what's the name mean? Seeds and souls. Uh, I, I, I think that we live in a society that wants quick fixes. Everything's quick. I mean, I, you could ask me where Tom Petty or Bob Dylan was born and, if I have no idea, I just have to ask Siri. I can tell you in 30 seconds yeah. where, 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 these, where these guys were born. Uh, I walk into a room, I flip on a switch, I've got instant light. Um, everything's fast these days. And we get really frustrated when things don't go fast. Like, man, this internet thing during COVID right now is killing us. You know, I'm, I'm like, I turn on Netflix and it, it the like, thing spins for like 40 seconds, man. 40 seconds. Oh by now, I can be like into my show. I'm halfway done with my burrito, and I'm meant to watch this show while I was eating. Come on, you know. But that's that's the world we live in. The problem I have found is that uh, we think that everything in life should be that way, and so all of a sudden, I realized one day, oh, I'm not as kind as I want to be. I'm going to be more kind moving forward, and then we get mad at ourselves if we're not more kind the next day, or I want to be more generous, or I want to. Um, I want to be less anxious. And then we're all annoyed because like 30 minutes later, we're just as anxious as we were. And we're, so the thing is, we think that the soul should work just like a switch. You know, I want light, I turn it on. I, I want to change. I, but the soul is much more like a seed. You know, the seed has to actually die. It has to fall off the tree. It has to fall into the soil and be covered by the soil. And it has to be watered and it has to be cared for. And it has, it needs sun and it needs it needs TLC. I mean, the, the seed, the actual seed, the, the, the acorn that falls into the soil. And, and then after it gets that for, for three months, six months, 12 months, you know, you get a little, you get a little something. Yeah. But I live in new Orleans. These oak trees are 300 years old. Yeah. And it, it happened over 300 years. So I think that the soul is much more like a seed than it is a switch. And so I, I always am trying to bring even in soul care back to, well, how are you being shaped? Well, I'm not being shaped fast enough. And we give ourselves so little grace and so little mercy. And we're, we are so much, we treat ourselves harder than we would treat most people. Yeah. And so I, I really want to see us come to a place where we can treat ourselves with kindness and with mercy, um, with grace and, and understand that, man, this is a process. Your life is a process. Your, your soul and the journey, it's a process. You are becoming the person you're going to be and it's it's a present future tense kind of thing and so that's where seeds and souls came from it's this idea that your seed your soul is like a seed soul work is seed work and seed work is hard work but it's fruitful work when you when you really commit to it and devote to to nurturing that i think our souls need to be nurtured like seeds need to be nurtured that's so good and i and i think that just hello, just, just go outside. And I, I think that, that, that what you're saying bears in like, like this is the way the universe 
is designed for everything <laughs> to the fabric of the universe yeah <laughs> things die to bring forth new life i mean like yeah. that's that's just what we see and right now we're in the season i love this but we're in the season with caterpillars like they're everywhere yeah like the caterpillar it's a process the thing's going to go into a cocoon and it's it's going to take a while but yeah. something something else i think caterpillars are beautiful but something different and new and and in many cases perhaps even more beautiful and less lethal is going to to break forth you yeah. know and it's just it's 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 soul work it's it's so beautiful so yeah that's that's kind of what we're trying to do at seeds and souls is just help people embrace the process and the journey of life and 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 learn to love it along the way because there's goodness in every part of it every stage yeah how it works so yeah that's what i'm finding i i think i think maybe this is just the older i get um but the more that you can take the posture of learning in life you know like seeing life i i think when i was in my 20s and this is probably common for a lot of people you you have this idealized version of yourself you're you're living primarily in your ego and and you're looking at life as this kind of goal you're trying to get to like i you know by the time i'm 35 i want to have achieved this and 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 have this house and this wife and 1.5 kids or whatever whatever your thing is um but how many things have i achieved in life that once i achieved them it's just kind of like wow that wasn't as exciting as as I, I thought it was going to be like, I looked forward to finally getting this album done or this thing done. And it's like, you, you get it done and it's like, wow, okay, that was good. It was not nearly as good as I imagined that it was going to be. And I think settling into kind of the, a different posture where enjoying the journey and, and, and staying on this, this constant trajectory of learning and growing. If you keep that. And I, and I tell my son this, all the time as a musician, I said, you know, you don't have to be the best musician out there. Uh, as long as you're willing to keep learning, you know, cause you can't, you can't get worse at music, you know, <laughs> unless, unless something just physically happens to you that, that, that compromises your ability to, to do that in, in some way. But even, even like that guy, uh, Dan, Dan Caro, I had on my podcast who was, you know, who doesn't have any hands and he plays the drums like a madman, you know I mean? Like even that stuff. And here's the guy, who one of the most joyful people I ever get around and it, and it's like, he just continues to learn and grow. And I think that that's such a, a beautiful picture of what you're saying about seed work and soul work, because if we look at this, not as like striving for some idea of perfection, which by the way, even your ideas of perfection are based on where you are right now. So uh, you can only imagine based on what you've experienced and where you're at right now, um, which you may find 10 years down the road, like those ideas didn't stand the test of time and you didn't know enough. Uh, but I, I think learning to embrace the journey, learning to be uh, in, a, in a state of humility and openness and man, that's, that's a great thing because you can go through really dark times, but you can grow through them. They can be transformational rather than just, you know, collapsing the world in on you into a state of bitterness and contempt. And, uh, I mean, both of those are, 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 you know, definite possibilities for anybody, but I, I think, you know, what you're doing is, is really a, a good thing and, and very needed in this world today. So if somebody wants to find out more about seeds and soul or maybe set up an appointment for spiritual direction or something like that, or, or join you for, you, I know you're doing some online uh, workshops maybe or something like that. Uh, yeah. Right now what I'm trying to do is I'm, I'm leading uh, online meditations. Actually we're doing, we do zoom meditations. And so I, I do about two or three a day. Usually one of them is a Christian style meditation. And then the other one is a non-religious breathing style meditation. Uh, and I'm finding that those have been really helpful for people uh, during this time. But uh, the best way to find out more is uh, Seeds and Souls. It's uh, Facebook page, Seeds and Souls. 
Instagram at Seeds and Souls, and then a website, uh, seedsandsouls.com. And so for those who want to learn a little bit more about spiritual direction or soul care, they would, you, they would want to go to the website, and there's some things on there to kind of unpack that a little bit more. And you, you can also email me through that. The email address is seedsandsouls at gmail.com, but they can also email through the website. So yeah, and mention that you heard about it right here on Extra Crispy for a 15% discount on your first. No. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I need some more seed work. <laughs> that's, that's how people can find out about it. Yep. Okay. Well, that uh, dude, you've, you've really shared some good things. I always love talking with, uh, with Brian. You've been a uh, great friend. One of my best friends in ministry. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, well, uh, keep doing what you're doing and, and, and blessings, uh, going through what you're going through in new Orleans and, and, and hopefully even during this time that, that some people can find some help in, uh, in, in this seeds and stole stuff you're doing. So wonderful. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, man. We'll have to do it again. I know it's been, we, the last time we did this was, uh, Eugene Peterson remembering him. That was a good one. Cool, man. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Have All a right. great day. You too. Bye. Well, there you go. That was a great conversation. And I, I like I like all the birds we had in there. You know, this is a new thing. Podcasting out on the back porch, you get to hear the New Orleans birds with Brian Johnson and the Abita Springs birds with me. And they're, they're different kinds of birds, and they made it into the podcast today. <laughs> Always makes it better. So go check out seedsandsouls.com or Facebook or Instagram. And uh, I think what uh, Brian's doing, some of you may find it very helpful right now. And also, I want to remind you guys, uh, or remind you, tell you for the first time probably, I'm going to be doing another Facebook Live on Friday evening, probably about 8, 8.30, um, probably 8.30, I think. Uh, be cooking up some songs. Um, been doing these concerts now for about a week and a half, and seems to be connecting with some folks so pulling out some obscure covers some original songs some requests and uh, good stuff so if you're if you're not doing anything which is a lot of people on a friday night now um sit down turn the computer on while you're playing games with your family or you know whatever you're doing hope hope you can make it out all right thanks for listening to extra crispy adios adios